it was on the strength that Prabhupada was going to come soon and help us and uh, be part of the yatra. So we set out, there were three householder couples, uh, Shamsanar Gurudas and myself, and uh, this was going to be quite an adventure because uh, it was new, new territory, and we thought it would be better to come to a place where at least the English language was spoken, so it wouldn't be so difficult. So to uh, come to England from America was was uh, kind of like going to Russia because they wanted to know why you're coming here, how long you're going to be here, where you're going to stay, how much money you have, where you're going to work, if you're going to work, and you can only be given a few months at a time. So we, we had to prepare, and uh, Prabhupada was inspiring us that whatever we did, he would come. I think one of the stories that was written about in the Prabhupada Lamrita was when we went to his room right before we came to London in Montreal and asked him what we should do when we came to London, how we should act, what, if anything particular, should be done in terms of preaching in this country. <clears throat> so Prabhupada kind of thought for a while and he said that, uh, well, actually drama was something English people liked and we should practice dramas. And then he proceeded to tell us this story of, of uh, Max Linder, who who uh, created the, a fashion by uh, in a silent movie by exposing the seat of his pants and so on. You've all heard that. So we had, uh, I think, forgotten why Prabhupada told the story. And when we stopped, we were walking back to the temple from Prabhupada's house, and we began to think, well, why did he tell that story anyway? And then. It, it dawned on us that he was giving us a lesson that you can do something in the story you know he was dancing on the dance hall with the seat of his pants torn open and all the other dancers became uh, as they were kind of tipsy they all got inspired to dance in, in more uh, more vigorously and, and then everybody else started doing it so he the, the, the motion picture was called Max Creates a Fashion it was a very unconventional thing so when we were Remembering why that Prabhupada told the story, we're trying to think why. Then uh, it became the uh, the reason that you can go to a foreign land and you can do something very unconventional, but if you do it with the uh, right spirit, it becomes infectious, and people begin to emulate and follow, and it becomes a fashion. So that was the the hint that Prabhupada gave us. You you go there and you do something with great enthusiasm, and no matter how unconventional it is. Uh, people will will become infected by it, and they'll they'll uh, copy you. They'll want to be be the same way out of your enthusiasm. They'll want to follow suit, even though ordinarily it wouldn't it would be a socially unacceptable thing to do. And uh, that's kind of the way it was <laughs> when uh, when we came here. I think I think part of the theater, the theater that we. Uh after we'd been here for several months, and it was the rough the going was very rough. Uh, nobody noticed us uh, very much. Uh, we couldn't get any kinds of engagements or people to listen to us. So we'd all been friends since childhood, practically, and, and we knew each other's minds. So we decided uh, we're going to have to shave our heads. This has got to be part of our theater. 
Everyone was really uh, afraid to shave their head. Uh, no one had done it yet. A few sannyasis or uh, brahmacharis in the states, but so we kind of had a, a I don't know what you call draw straws. And Gurudas went first. He shaved his head first. <laughs> we didn't even know how to, to to tie or wear dhotis, but we bought all this long cloth and figured out how to how to tie them in knots around our middle and then, then began uh, getting a little bit more attention. That was part of the theater I think we created to start probably what Prabhupada was referring to. It was very difficult in the beginning to get uh, the uh, attention of the English people. More or less we were, we were concentrating on the young English people as we had been in San Francisco and other places uh, to try to, to bring them in, get more manpower into our movement. But it was very difficult without uh, these, the shaved head and the dhotis to be to stand out. And then, uh, how did how did we get our first uh, madunga? Didn't we just buy some drum first, some kind of drum? Or we somebody had a gave us. We, did, we, we had a proper madunga. Yeah. Pandaji got us one or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, gradually, slowly, slowly. Prabhupada, uh, we knew from the beginning Prabhupada launched us with this idea that his Guru Maharaj wanted more than, than, than anything to have a center in England. Because in, in, he'd been brought up in British schools and British uh, culture and told us many times that England, only two places in the world that a, a gentleman could live, that was in India and in England. So he gave us all of his blessings to go to England. With with great difficulty, we traveled here and had to support not only uh, some kind of uh, work for Prabhupada, spreading Krishna consciousness, but support our families as well. That was the hardest part. And we and we picked the wrong time of year, Makunda. We landed in the winter or beginning of winter is when we arrived here <laughs> with no money. Yeah. What else? So, uh, at, at the beginning, we we stayed in in a place called Hearn Hill, southeast London, not far from Brixton, and uh, lived in the uh, upper part of a building with somebody's. It was like a little flat we rented out from an, uh, a family, and uh, <coughs> I used to take a bus into London and. Gradually, we we discovered there was a place called the Arts Lab, in uh, in Drury Lane, Covent Garden, and that became kind of a mainstay of our our preaching to English people. We were also visiting Indian families regularly, and uh, I think they owned the building we stayed in, didn't they? Were an Indian family? Yeah. This is Coley or yeah, so. Prabhupada encouraged us to uh, to. To preach sort of the mainstream in uh, English communities, so there were there was a place called the Arts Lab, and at that time it was the only place where the kind of uh, unconventional young uh, was the nearest thing to an American hippie, and that these these were our best customers, Prabhupada said in those days. So that was the alternative lifestyle place, the Art Lab, and they would get together there, and I think. Uh, two or three times a week, <coughs> we were scheduled to go 
and have kirtans there. And that's where a lot of people began to get exposed to Hare Krishna kirtan. So we started out in kind of the main hall, and then gradually we were moved into a little smaller room and then up into a theater upstairs. And I remember all the walls were painted black. The walls and ceiling and floor were all black. And we had we had uh, very uproarious kirtans. Sometimes there, there were only three or four or five of us there. But uh, people joined in. And uh, on one occasion, in the on the lower level, there, there was some kind of a celebration going on. I remember we had a big kirtan, and, and there were maybe 100 people there. And it was one of those things where everybody just sort of uh, became, let it all hang out, so to speak. Became, <laughs> started to dance and chant, and it became a... a uh, like a real event, every everyone participated, everyone chanted, it, and everyone danced, in it, and became uh, sort of lost in the the ecstasy of kirtan. It was a very special uh, night, so that was a regular regular thing, and uh, it, it came to pass that uh, we uh, through Gurudas, who met a, a boy named Nigel Samuel. I think he's from the Samuel jewelry chain, right? Anyway, he had he had. He owned this building and he was quite wealthy, so he let us have a building in uh, in Betterton Street, which is in Covent Garden. And for about three months, that was only maybe a few hundred yards from this arts lab in Drury Lane. So we were able to use the whole building. And uh, Prabhupada's letters would come regularly and inspire us to uh, to do things. So once we had that place, we decided to call together all the all the people we knew into one place and make an appeal to have a temple. So we'd written to Prabhupada and asked him to send a tape so that we could play a cassette tape of his speaking and everyone would be able to hear. So we sent out an invitation, a fairly fancy invitation, and uh, it was it was written with a kind of tongue in cheek mode and it said, uh, guess who's coming to dinner? And there was a, a big list of people, including some members of parliament and uh, Queen. the Queen and <laughs> Archbishop of Canterbury and the Beatles and so on. And it said, uh, it said, guess who's coming to dinner? Maybe nobody, but here's who's invited. And then we gave the list. <laughs> and somehow it uh, captured their imagination and a lot of people showed up thinking that some of these other people might be there. <laughs> it, had the, it had the letterhead of Iskon with a picture of Radha and Krishna in a lotus on it and uh, Jamuna was our cook and the uh, some we hired some stainless steel cutlery silverware to serve everything out in and there were no chairs it was just a burlap floor <laughs> just a big bare room about this size a little bit bigger maybe and the tape from Srila Prabhupada had come just uh, a few days before so when that came we felt confident that even though we had no qualifications to talk to members of parliament and uh, some of the VIPs that came that we, we would succeed. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I'll, I'll just say what I can remember. Maybe Sham Sundar will, will pick up on this. But we, we prepared little speeches and we listened to Prabhupada's talk ahead of time. He chanted Hare Krishna mantra at the beginning of the tape and then you know, he talked for about 15 minutes. So um, I remember one member of parliament who came was Tom Dryberg. He was a fairly prominent MP at the time. He'd written some books. He was a literateur of sorts, and uh, he was the MP for Barking. Had had the big hall named after him out there somewhere, the Tom Dryberg Hall, and he'd helped us actually get uh, 
get the, our, our premises in very place later on. So he came and with very great difficulty sat cross-legged on this burlap floor. It's probably in his 60s then. And a few other people of note came. Most of them were sort of dressed semi-formally. And uh, so we gave presentations. I remember you gave something. We had to board when we were tracing the history of ISKCON and how we had grown, where we had temples, what countries we were in, what our philosophy was. So the three of us, Gurudas and Shamsan each stood up and tried to you know, give a little... Uh, impression of what Krishna consciousness was, Krishna consciousness was about, and then we we played the tape of Prabhupada, and he had a very uh, deep, resounding voice. And, My dear ladies and gentlemen, and uh, <clears throat> he started off with a little kirtan, and then he proceeded to, to explain what he was doing and why he was here. And he, in this tape, he said that uh, he said actually we can live under a tree. It does not matter. We're in the renounced order of life, but in order for nice ladies and gentlemen like you to have a place to sit down comfortably and here <laughs> we we require an, uh, a proper premises so uh, when we heard that we felt very relieved because he was older than most of the people there and he had a very very uh, distinguished sounding voice uh, and uh, kind of aged compared to what we sounded like so we, we actually felt very secure we, we felt sheltered by Prabhupada, and that whatever he said was really penetrating and, and making people uh, more respectful. And it actually was the case, because here they were in this bare room, uh, and there, many of them wearing suits and ties, sitting on the floor, listening to a bunch of Americans who they'd never seen before in strange clothes with strange markings on their foreheads. And when, when Prabhupada spoke, it uh, changed the whole environment. And uh, you could see that people were listening, and uh, the whole mood was a lot more serious. So that was the appeal, that we should have a proper place, a bigger place, a suitable uh, premises. And, of course, we read a little from Bhagavad Gita and other books and explained our philosophy. And uh, at the end, we had the, uh, the, the good the ability of Jamuna, who had... Uh, cooked all day and some very nice uh, catering silver catering equipment and, and uh, eating utensils so I don't think anybody was dissatisfied even though it was not all what they'd expected because the, the prashadam was excellent and uh, the way it was served was also very excellent so I, I think maybe there was a there was a guy named uh, Miles from, from the International Times who was one of our people who connected us with Tom Dreiberg and a few other semi-notable people who uh, were all kind of surprised to see each other there, in a way, in that kind of a setting. But that was our, our first attempt. That was um, maybe in November, I think. We, we had arrived in September, uh, August and September. And that was sort of a beginning of... Uh, in, in this country, it was seemed to be, to us, more of a matter of knowing the right people and knowing what to do. So we tried to work through a network of people who were friends, who were connected in some kind of a network, and in that way to get a little uh, foothold in the beginning. The old boy system. <laughs> the old, the old boy system. <laughs> what sustained us through, these, uh, through all, all these times was uh, the constant uh, uh, emphasis that we placed on humor uh, our 
we were so fortunate to be with Prabhupada so much before we came to England, and we, Prabhupada was always in a jolly mood, and, and this infected us. And we knew that, that things weren't going right if we weren't laughing about it. Every day we would get together after our separate uh, endeavors for the day and, <laughs> and exchange the, the humorous incidents that had happened to each of us. Uh, we had so much fun putting this thing together here. That's, that's all I remember is the, the amazing amount of laughter and jokes that we were constantly exchanging. And, and I, I think that's, you know, Prabhupada was always... <coughs> When when he was uh, spreading Krishna consciousness and the happiest, he was he was always joking too. This is this is one of the symptoms of being Krishna conscious that that you're in a, a comic mood almost. The and someone asked me yesterday. They said, "Yeah, I'm not. I don't pretend to be a preacher or a spiritual master or guru of any kind, but I remember some of the things Prabhupada said." Uh, and this person asked me, he said, how, how do you know, or what is, what is the best thing to, to remind you that Krishna is the controller? That Krishna is the controller of everything. And I thought for a moment of my own experiences with Prabhupada. And whenever I was strongest feeling that Krishna was the controller was when I had so much to do that I couldn't possibly manage it all. And I think that was part of the key to our success here as well, that... Prabhupada heaped this huge uh, uh, responsibility on us. And we always had much more than we could possibly handle. So we knew we weren't doing anything. Krishna was controlling everything. However it turned out, good or bad or indifferent, we had no, nothing to do with it. It was, it was uh, Krishna gradually doing everything. It took a long time to get a foothold here. very long time. Uh, people of, of England are... Uh, bit resistant to, to something like this and they were in those times so humor I think and, and the adventure I, I remember uh, the feeling feeling as a, a young man that I was having more fun and, and experiencing more adventure than, than anything uh, any other kind of activity I could be doing I mean, every day was a total risk we, we did things that uh, I would never do now there was no no limit we were fearless Uh, because we had each other's strength too and we had Prabhupada's constant strength even he would call up on the telephone sometimes and we'd all gather around take turns talking to him in San Francisco or Los Angeles telling him and he'd he'd always push 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 well hurry up hurry up hurry up hurry up what are you guys doing come on and we told him that our our mutual feeling was that we should have a center close into the heart of London. We'd, because of, of the living conditions as householders, we all had to live in various suburbs and, and quite often far away from each other. You'd be out in, in Clapham and I'd be in Balham and, and, and Gurdas would be up in Golders Green and, you know, had trouble communicating even. And so we, it, came, it dawned upon us that if we were going to be effective at all, that we should be in the center of London, right in the heart. And and wait and wait and work and work towards some very nice facility right in the heart of London, as opposed to setting up a storefront somewhere in Golders Green. Well, this took a long time. And, we, and Prabhupada, you know, he encouraged us that way. Yes, he said we should have a place where 
the gentlemen and, and gentlewomen of, of England can come and feel at home and listen to the philosophy. The, the emphasis was always on philosophy, he told us. And when ultimately we got our place, uh, Barry Place, just near the British Museum, uh, he was just very, very happy about that. We had a place half a block from Oxford Street, a uh, block from the British Museum. Uh, do, you, do you remember the, the first time um, when Prabhupada finally arrived and we were bringing him into London? We took him on a little tour around through town. He had never, of course, been to London, but he'd been reading since childhood about London. And the first thing he saw was, we said, uh, Prabhupada, these are the Houses of Parliament. Oh, they're not so big. <laughs> Many ha homes in Calcutta are larger. And he saw the River Thames, and he says, this is but a small stream. <laughs> and the, the Big Ben, this is a very small clock. <laughs> he wasn't impressed. <laughs> But uh, I remember one of the things that that uh, that, that uh, Prabhupada made, uh, made us work harder is that Prabhupada set us deadlines. Do you remember those, Mukunda? We had to have everything ready by John Mastami of such and such a year or whatever. And it just, we became overwhelmed with work. Well, you're all devotees, you know what that's like. You have to get everything ready for a certain time and place, but for, for Prabhupada's arrival, that was that put it into a real heavy mode, and fortunately we, we were able to recruit a few young English devotees, most of whom are not here anymore, other places, Banjaya is still here, <laughs> from the early days, Bajari, <laughs> what, what, uh, is overwhelming about the whole thing for me as I've, I've been been gone for uh, 20, 20 more than 20 years from Krishna consciousness is to see that all of you young people although only a very small percentage of you ever even saw Prabhupada have uh, maintained the, the perfect level of Krishna consciousness that he planted here and you're you're all so highly elevated and angelic it, it uh, it makes me speechless to see how this, the potency of Prabhupada's movement is carried on so nicely. The temple, everything, uh, it's just beyond what we could even imagine in those times. Carry on. Um, one of the things we, we uh, as Shamsunar was saying, had to do was to do very difficult things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. And the, this idea of establishing a temple in the center of London was um, so difficult that after a while it, we sort of became detached from it, you know, and you're trying to do something sometimes and you just think, well, it's up to Krishna now. And it, was, it actually became like that. We had piles and piles of particulars of those buildings, you know, those details from different estate agents, where they were located, how many square feet, uh, you know, all the, all the details that assayers have. So we had piles and piles, and every time we tried to get a building, we didn't have enough money. They needed it all right away. Uh, we didn't have a guarantor. We didn't have enough money in the bank. 
we weren't an established or registered institution. So it was almost like going nowhere for months and months and months. It, it almost took a whole year. And uh, it was just the letters that were coming from Prabhupada that were sustaining the effort. We just sometimes would be walking the streets of, of central London, writing down the, uh, the details on, on the side of a building. It would say for let or for sale. We'd write down the name of the state agent. We'd come back with a list of 10 or 20 and we'd write them or ring them and then they would send all these things and when we'd apply they just <laughs> say, I'm sorry, you know, you're, you're, you're a nobody. We can't help you. And they all wanted they all wanted just cash, you know, just pay, pay for the whole thing and get a bank loan. We had no, no ability whatever to do anything like that. So, um, it was Krishna's uh, gift finally that gave us very place. It's a total coincidence. Yeah, you want to tell about that? After uh, so many months of struggling, we were still getting nowhere, and we had to leave Betterton Street. We had been given notice. The, the uh, black power people had moved in on the floor above us, what was the guy's name? My- Michael X. Michael X and his crew, and they were gradually encroaching on our floor. And the owner of the building uh, had given us kind of notice that, that you guys have to leave here soon. So we, we didn't know what we were going to do. And uh, one day in, in the bank, uh, uh, a, ma- a man ran into Gurdas and said, uh, Say, you wouldn't happen to know uh, Sam Spearster, would you? I don't know. He's a Hare Krishna, and this guy turns out he was an old friend of mine from San Francisco, who had moved to London and had become an estate agent here. <laughs> and we got, we were talking with him, and he said that he knew of a building right on just just off New Oxford Street, and the, remember the ownership was a little hazy. Nobody really knew who owned it, but his firm was taking thirty-five pounds a week something rent off for it if they could rent it so we immediately grabbed it 35 pounds a week and I, th- I believe in later years didn't it turn out that the ownership went into litigation or something and we didn't have to pay any rent so, yeah I don't know whoever if that was ever settled or not but in, at any rate as soon as we rented the Berry Place we began uh, we saw that it was going to be too small to to contain many uh, people and that it was too confining and we really wanted to make a nice presentation uh, because it was right in the heart of London. We wanted people to step off the street, New Oxford Street, on their way to the British Museum or we were across the street from the Theosophical Society and walk in and, and, and have a very nice place. So we began a massive program of reconstruction. We tore out the ceiling and so we had a two-story high temple room and I, I had imported some redwood from California which is a very beautiful wood and we actually spent months building this place going around Mukunda, Gurdas, girls getting donations, five pounds here, ten pounds there to keep the, the work going to, to make the place proper so that when Prabhupada came he'd be very proud of us there, there was in those days also kind of a, a, a competition between the the God Brothers, God Brothers starting various temples around the world, a friendly competition. We, uh, our, our main kind of competitor was Karander in, in Los Angeles because he kept proclaiming, L.A. is going to be the world capital of ISKCON. And we kept thinking, oh, no, no, London's going to be the world capital of ISKCON. So we were constantly competing to try to make uh, 
uh, Prabhupada's place in London better than the place in Los Angeles. So after after several months of this intensive construction work, uh, one day in through the door walks Mr. Savage and Mr. Black. <laughs> They're the building inspectors. <laughs> he said, oh, what have we got here? <laughs> he said, you blokes wouldn't have a permit, would you? <laughs> no, we don't have any permits, so... Actually, after their inspection, and they were, they were pretty nice about it, but, but what Dickinson, Dickinsonian names, uh, Savage and Black, they were actually pretty nice f- about the whole thing. After their inspection, they said, well, you know, actually this is stronger than the, uh, than the code. You're, you're, you've built this place better than the code, but you, you have to have a permit. So they <coughs> retroactively gave us the permit. It wasn't much problem. I remember another funny incident. The, remember those big iron steel beams we had to put into the, to the front room there? They were so large we had to bring them in with cranes, those big trucks. The crane that, uh, what, what's his name? Mick Jagger donated the money for him. And, and in, in the, we had to take out the whole front of Berry Place, the windows and the, and the bricks and everything, to get these two big beams in in a single piece. And it wound up tying traffic up all over London. The whole day, the truck got stuck. Constantly, we would report our our uh, our uh, updates uh, almost daily to Prabhupada, or at least weekly. Each of us individually, or sometimes in group letters, and boom, right back would come a letter with some more suggestions. Prabhupada actually took took the management of the the, the English yatra in hand far away and directed it from afar. He was interested in every detail of everything we did. And then he said, I remember, Mukunda, you probably do too, he finally said, I think it was on the telephone, he says, I am coming. I am coming. And he just set a date. We weren't ready, but he he came. Can you take it from there? You remember what happened after he got here? Um. Yeah, when when uh, this this premises was told to be available, uh, it was a very strange situation because we went to went to him and he said, "Just move in." And uh, we said, "Well, what about planning permission? What about uh, the ranch?" He said, "Just just move in. You know, occupancy is nine tenths of the law. Just move in." <laughs> <laughs> so we we went to some. Est- You know, let's at least we get a lease or something. Hey, you don't need it. It's not no. We're just moving in. Move in. <laughs> yeah. So it's just give us the money. You know, it was. I think they wanted like three three months rent in advance, which was something near near to about five hundred pounds. So we insisted, and then we we contacted the uh, the solicitors of the then prime minister Harold Wilson. Their name were Goodman and Derek, or Goodman Derek and Company. And then they had their solicitor. It was John Jay. It was an Olympic fencer, I think, for the <laughs> British team. Anyway, they made some kind of a deal between these two solicitors where we were going to be there, sort of an unnamed group of people were going to be in there for a period of time. It's a very strange arrangement. 
couldn't do the lease. And ultimately, I think the land, the the building belonged to the uh, what was then the Ministry of Public Works and Building and Public Works. So we just did it. We just moved in, and it was this very low price. We had to soundproof the walls about this. Thing. Yeah. Uh, right, right near the British Library. So uh, when we notified Prabhupada, he was very encouraged. Oh yes, uh, you should take it right away because we weren't sure it was a little risky, but we didn't have any money. So uh, I asked Prabhupada. This was either a phone call or a telegram or something that you know we need 500 pounds or we just can't get the place because they they insisted that we have this money. So he said, yes, I will immediately wire the money to you, don't worry, and he sent us the money. That was how we paid for it, money out of his book account or something. And uh, and then they wanted a guarantor, didn't they? And I think that's when we asked uh, George Harrison, he wrote a letter on, on Apple letterhead saying, yeah, I know these people, they're, they're rich, it's okay, not, no worries. And so they just, you know, it was in, we were in, and that was it. Um, and then Prabhupada, then he, th- that's when he was saying that he had to come. He gave us a date, and I think uh, he, he landed in Germany and spent a, another, a week or so there in Berlin, and then he, then he flew to London, and that was, that was when he came. And by that time, we were uh, you know, well ensconced in there. We had... well, the place was a wreck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were actually staying out at John Lennon's when, when he came. Yeah. We, we, rented we also rented an apartment Baker on Baker Street, yeah. <clears throat> when he came in, he'd come from Germany, and uh, it had been raining. And it, it, it happened at a time when the Radhakrishna Temple record was was very popular. It was selling seventy thousand copies a day or something. So they arranged this this VIP room where Prabhupada would land, come down the uh, come down a, a, a ramp on the airline, walk across the tarmac, and then right into the the room through some sliding glass doors, so he didn't have to undergo any any uh, formalities with immigration. Just someone came out and wrote down some numbers in his passport, and that was it. So when he came in, I think it was Shem Sundar and someone else ran out to greet him. And if I remember, it was Hayagriva and Purushottam who were with Prabhupada coming off the plane, and so they ran out and offered their dandavats. And if, of course, there was a lot of puddles of water out there in the tarmac. <laughs> I remember you, you got up and you're all all full of jet fuel and water mixed with dirt and pebbles. And there's a, there was a British policeman with the checkered hat accompanying Prabhupada, and he 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 made this amazing expression as he watched you get up. <laughs> completely uh, <laughs> just doing his job. Anyway, he ushered Prabhupada into the room. And uh, then there was a, uh, a great kirtan there in that in that room. There were bosses, and Prabhupada sat on a little table and uh, led a kirtan. And after after the kirtan, everyone was dancing, and uh, and many devotees had never seen Prabhupada before. It was just six of us and a few who had come from the states, and most of them were British devotees. And it was a, a very amazing scene because uh, there were tears in their eyes, and they'd never, never even laid eyes on Prabhupada before. But it was a, you know, you, you could see that there was a, a great buildup of, of emotion, you know, as he appeared. And uh, after the kirtan, everyone bowed down. I think there's a, you have a picture of that uh, from the the sun. I was just looking at it. 
Yeah, if there was a picture of everyone bowing down, it was from the Sun newspaper. It was the back page. Down, and as they were kind of getting up, there were, there were a, a group of Fleet Street reporters that started to converge on Prabhupada. And uh, these were the kind of uh, wolves of Fleet Street that the Apple Company had invited to see the yeah, pop right. stars. Yeah, 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 Apple Publicity, sent right. out the press release. I can probably find that if you give me the folder. And uh, so Prabhupada, they all kind of converged and they were flashing away with their cameras. And uh, they came up to Prabhupada and they, they said, here it is. Oh, this is okay. This is right out in the tarmac. <laughs> I've got to pass this around if it's okay. This is amazing. There's Funny picture. Too. You can see the policeman. You can see Purushottam and Hayagriva. There's about six devotees all in their whites, bowing down right out in the out in the wet tarmac, and the bottoms of their feet are all black. I can see it. <laughs> Happiness is Hare Krishna. It was the back page of, of the sun. So they all converged on Prabhupada, and they, very challengingly, one of them said, Why have you come here? And uh, Prabhupada said, I have come to teach you what you have all forgotten, and that is God. They all kind of stopped for a beat. And then... Uh, after a, a kind of embarrassing silence, one of them said, well, um, what, uh, what uh, oh, then, no, then Prabhupada said before they could say anything, some of you think God is dead, and some of you think there is no God, and some of you don't believe in anything. And then they all kind of stopped a little bit, and then Prabhupada talked some more, and then in a very timid way, they started asking him things like, uh, do you know about Billy Graham? Uh, how many countries have you been to? How many devotees do you have? How many temples do you have in this country? So he, uh, we were witnessing him really keeping this this pack of, well, I shouldn't be so demeaning, but you know how they are. These are these are the real tough Fleet Street guys, the the pack of wolves being kept at bay. That's what it kind of looked like, you know. <clears throat> Intellectually, Prabhupada had, had really uh, taken charge. So uh, they were t- taking a lot of pictures, and that that was one of them. And then the. Uh, the next morning, someone brought Prabhupada a picture that was spread across two pages in a tabloid then called The Daily Sketch. And it, it had a picture of Prabhupada playing cartels and it was tilted kind of to one side with his eyes closed. And, and he looked at the picture and he said, I was in too much ecstasy. <laughs> and then he gave the, uh, gave the picture to Purushottam and he said, have Jadarani make a painting of this immediately. And then she made this beautiful painting of, of, uh, from this photograph. And it said, enter... Abhicharan Day, Bhaktivedanta Swami, in big letters right across the, the page, two pages. And there were some other uh, articles too. And it was all part of the uh, Apple publicity campaign for the record, which was kind of peaking out at that moment. And I remember when, when Prabhupada first got to his room, he asked Jam Sundar, he said, So this, this record, Hare Krishna record, how many is it selling? And uh, Shamsana said, well, Prabhupada, it, it sold 70,000 copies today. And Prabhupada, oh, very big business. <laughs> it was amazing to ever see him light up like that, or, you know, smile so wide or look so, so impressed. But usually after one of these kind of press conferences or arrival deals later up in his room with his confidential devotees, he'd sit around and say, did you hear what I said to that guy? Did you hear what I said to that guy? Wasn't that a, that was wasn't that funny? <laughs> no, he was the he was the best. He was the best. He knew how to to put any audience under his thumb. I mean, an aggressive audience or 
or or a timid audience, whatever, he could he could feel the the pulse of whoever he was talking to and turn on the charm or turn on the anger, turn on the the, the love, whatever, whatever it took. Uh, and never, hardly ever, did I see anyone come into Prabhupada's presence and walk away uh, not touched by it, changed by it, and quite often very radically. But the 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 first three months, then he stayed. We stayed at John Lennon's place, right? Because the the temple was under construction still in Berry Place. We we really put a lot of work into that place. It took months to build, and Prabhupada got very impatient walking around John Lennon's garden every day, not doing anything, you know, get, not preaching much. We tried to get him some engagements, and there were a few here and there, you know, at Camden Town Hall and the, that type of thing. But, huh? Oxford Town Hall, that was a great one. But for the most part, um, he stayed out there at, uh, in kind of a semi-seclusion while we got the temple ready. Uh, many uh, incidents happened there as well with John Lennon. Not many, but some that were, they were quite notable. Uh, the, the, the Lennon and Yoko uh, at that time were recluse, recluses themselves. No one saw them very often, but our, our job, we exchanged our labor uh, by by being allowed to live there for for doing some reconstruction on his house, and uh, I don't know how, whether I should tell the story of the <laughs> of Yoko or not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a it was a rather demonic, depressing time uh, to be staying in that place. And Prabhupada didn't really like it there all that much. The grounds were very beautiful, and the walks and so on were extremely uh, pleasant, but uh, Prabhupada was anxious to get out into the battlefield and, and start preaching. So he pushed us very hard to finish up the, the place, and we finally did. Uh, I think we made a, a grand... Did we have a grand uh, opening there at the, at the temple? Did we have some yeah. kind of a grand opening? Yeah. Do you remember anything 14. about that? I don't remember. Um, what what uh, what happened there was Prabhupada gave us a deadline, December fourteenth, I think it was, um, nineteen sixty nine. That was the day that everything had to be done, and everyone would have to be invited. D would have to be installed. All the construction work would have to be done, and uh, Sham Sundar and Tirthapad and others were working almost day and night. And I uh, remember going in from Tittenhurst every day on a bus back and forth from London. So I was trying to raise enough money to keep them going, and they were all spending more than we had in the bank. So it was quite a, it was quite a struggle. Uh, uh, so he gave us that deadline, and it was it was a photo finish because he wanted a, a canopy above the deities to be installed. This, the room was done with a, a very uh, a maroon colored, burgundy colored uh, carpet, very beautiful, and Shamsinder had made. A, a roof with curved pieces of, of uh, redwood that also looked very beautiful and big beams. So the, the fateful day arrived and it was the, the day to uh, install the deities and Prabhupada bathed them. And then we all went behind this big curtain uh, to prepare for the installation. And uh, the deities were there. And uh, is that the day? The 14th of December? The fateful day. Yeah, that's the day. 
Without canopy. <laughs> so we tried to install this canopy. I think you were back. No, you were. I was so tired. You were out. I couldn't see. Because he'd been up all night. And, and Tamal Krishnamaraj and something like that. Tamal Krishnamaraj was there. Jamuna was there. And we were back there with Prabhupada. And there were, there were people sitting in the, in the other side of the curtain waiting for the curtains to open and to see the deities installed with their canopy over them. So there were four pillars and a, and a kind of square-shaped canopy. It was rectangular at the bottom. And it kind of uh, pitched up to a point. Anyway, we couldn't get it to stay because they, they had worked for been up for two or three days and they didn't have some the right fastening mechanism fastening mechanism or something like that. So it was falling and <laughs> we kept trying and it was falling. And at one point, Prabhupada jumped up and held it up and it was it reminded everyone of Krishna holding Govardhan Hill, you know, with his little finger from his left hand. So finally, Prabhupada said, "We'll we'll open it without the canopy. It doesn't matter. Don't just take it out." Yeah, they don't want a canopy. Just take it out. So then there's this canopy. It's about this long and about that wide and about that high from the bottom to the top. And I had to somehow get out. And he said, I said, what do you mean take it out? I said, just take it out, outside. And, uh, okay. It was about 120 degrees Fahrenheit in there because we didn't have any ventilation. And it was just, water was just pouring over our heads. So I had somehow to get from behind the curtain, through the crowd, and out to the front door, and put this out on the, on the footpath somehow or other, without being too conspicuous. <laughs> Impossible. So, you know, I made the attempt. I had this canopy, and I sort of, you know, got out the side to make it look like it was just part of what was supposed to be happening, and uh, asked everyone to make a little walkway, and somehow got outside, where it felt like it was about zero degrees after being inside there, and... and placed it against the building inside the, the, the railing, ran along the building. And then as quick as I could, I got back inside so we could get ready to open it up for the, for the uh, people to see. So that was an amazing event. When Prabhupada finally sat down to speak, everyone saw the deities. The very first thing he was saying was, now we have this place, we're very thankful, and we want all of you to know that it's too small. We must get a bigger place as soon as possible. And, and from that moment on, the quest to get a bigger premises, especially Bhaktivedanta Manor, was underway. And uh, Prabhupada was never one to let anyone rest on their laurels. From that day on, we were in too small of a place and we had to get a bigger place for for the devotees to live. So uh, that was par for the course for Prabhupada. Never let us rest for a moment. He gave us this deadline. We got it open somehow or other and then it wasn't big enough. We had to find another place. One of the reasons Prabhupada liked to stay in, in London so much or in England was that we always uh, we constantly brought intelligent, uh, prominent guests to discuss with him, have conversations with him, which were very enlivening to Prabhupada. And uh, um, George Harrison uh, would come from time to time. And one morning, Prabhupada, uh, I, I went into Prabhupada's room and I said... Uh, well, that um, I had to go uh, to a dinner with George that night and, and a, at a, a fellow named David Wynn's house, who was a, a famous sculptor at that time. He designed the, the New English money and the, the bust of the Queen and all that. And Prabhupada says, oh, okay. He says, I, well, I want you to ask him to publish the Krishna book. <laughs> and for that we need $10,000, I think it was, or 10,000 pounds. And the basis of our relationship with George at, up to that time had always been, 
We're never asking for anything because mm-hmm. everybody in the world is trying to ask George Harrison. Every religious sect of every type is trying to ask him for something. So he immediately turns off when anybody asks him for anything. So our, our, our secret of success, I guess you would say, up to that time is that we never asked George for anything. We waited, 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 sometimes strategically until he offered it. But I was under the gun that night. Prabhupada says, Yes, tonight you will ask him to print the Krishna book. Oh, man. <laughs> so I was, I was really on, on pins and needles all night during this dinner, <coughs> waiting to, to the right moment to ask George uh, to do this, because I thought if by doing so I would certainly turn him off and, and maybe we'd never see him again. But it, finally at one point in the dinner, I says, uh, George, uh, Prabhupada has asked requested me to ask you if you will print the Krishna book. So many copies, I've forgotten how many it was. And, but it will cost 10,000 pounds. Or George says, how, how much? I said, 10,000 pounds. And George started to go, I could just see that look. And suddenly, the house, or the adjacent house, or that house, was struck by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> this is a true story. And all the lights went out. For about five minutes, there wasn't a sound at the table. And the lights came back on, and George looked at me and says, Well, after that, I guess there's nothing else I can do. (laughs) So I was able to to report good news in the morning to Prabhupada. No, he waited up. Prabhupada waited up. He waited up. It was one o'clock in the morning or so before I got back. Yes, George will do it. Oh, he was so happy. Prabhupada always uh, rewarded the efforts of his devotees. If, 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 if his devotees, if he saw the sincere efforts of his devotees, he would always reward them. I, I couldn't believe it. The one that one day we got back from morning walk about three, four days after the, we opened Berry Place from or the usual walk around Russell Square, and he tapped on the side of the the building in front, and he said, "You shall erect a, a plaque here." And it shall, shall say, this temple has been constructed by Shamasundar Das Adhikari. He <laughs> walked in. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> now you can pass this around and you can see yeah. what, what the temple looked like. These were the, uh, the ribs sawn by Redwood to, to uh, <laughs> make an arch all the way through the length of the building like a vault in an old Gothic church. And these... these uh, Beams, the run, uh, wooden beams that run along the side were about maybe what forty feet long. Those were what tight. And they had to go through the the front of the building, right out into the middle of the street, and on cranes through windows. <laughs> so yeah, Prabhupada asked us to erect this plaque. I think he said it has it should say, this this uh, temple was built by the hard labor of effort by Shamsundar Das Adhikari. We put some kind of a plaque up. It wasn't a very appropriate plaque. It was should have been done in bronze. It was sort of painted on. But, uh... <laughs> we put another one later. And then we <laughs> Where is it now? <laughs> Where is it now? When, uh... Well, I liked it very much, but when he heard the price, he said, it is beyond our dreams. <laughs> we couldn't do it because they wanted cash. After a while, we got into it, too. We learned that we could... We had to work less if we laid more on guys like Don and Jaya made them work harder. <laughs> Another thing we always try to do is make Don and Jaya laugh. 
It was hard to get a, a smile out of him. <laughs> He's getting jollier in his old age. <laughs> they said that his hair was rusty. <laughs> That's why it's red. Uh, when letters would come from Prabhupada, they would cause sometimes a complete shift in our direction. I remember when we first started preaching, the only people we knew were, were relatives and friends of this family who rented the house to us. So almost exclusively we were going to different homes of members of the Indian community. So Prabhupada wrote one letter. He said, now you should start preaching to the English people. So it was written in such a way that... Uh, you know, we we thought, oh, okay. You know, we're we're going to have to change direction here. So, in order to uh, follow Prabhupada's direction, we started to book engagements in in, in schools and colleges. And in, in order to fulfill Prabhupada's desire, I remember one weekend we had three engagements a day for three days, and we hardly had any sleep. We were in gymnasiums and auditoriums and classrooms, just wherever we could get an engagement, any English school, whatever it was. We were, we were there. Sometimes there were only five people present, but because Prabhupada had written this letter, we had to, to sort of you know make up for time lost, and we just kind of turned ourselves inside out. I remember it was just a big blur that three days went by. We were hardly sleeping at all, but we <laughs> we wanted to fulfill his desire of, of reaching out to the to the uh, English speaking public. Do you remember Mukunda after we got popular with this with this uh, record record? And then Prabhupada arrived. He wanted to go on some of the... Uh, we were on top of the pops, and we had concert series all over Europe. We, we had concerts booked. We had an agent, had our own, our, our own agent. <coughs> and, and Prabhupada wanted to go on some... He went on some of these. And remember the television program we went on in Amsterdam? Yeah. Maybe you can remember it better than I can. I, I only remember that... Uh, uh, it, it, we had to get on an airplane with the whole crew, and, and this was uh, the, the Dutch equivalent of Top of the Pops. And Prabhupada was going to be on it, too. <laughs> yeah, what, uh, the smoke, I remember the smoke. Yeah, this was, this was something that came at sort of the, more or less the height of when the Radhakrishna Temple album was popular. In the European uh, charts, it was up in the top ten, you know, one, two, three, four, in different countries. So this was something that was arranged rather hurriedly, and no one really inquired much about it to find out what it was and one day we just found ourselves all getting on a KLM jet flying to Amsterdam to be on this this uh, teenage uh, rock uh, popular program so we got uh, we, we we landed in the airport in Amsterdam and then we were all taken in a van and it was most of us Shamsun and Gurdas and I and, and all the girls and maybe 10 or 12 other devotees and Prabhupada himself so when we got there, they uh, they had us wait in a waiting room. It was in a basement, and then this you were there, weren't you? Yeah, there was no uh, there was no ventilation and no windows. So Prabhupada was getting very uncomfortable, and he said, "Ask them at least they should get us, you know, a place where where there's some windows or some ventilation." We asked, and they wouldn't do it. And Prabhupada was you know getting more and more discouraged as time went on. We couldn't get anybody to move us, or nobody would budge. They were just like, "Hey, what's wrong with you guys? What are you so temperamental for?" So then we finally, you know, had to wait in the queue and get up to, to the, the studio. And we got up to the studio, there were all these lights and booms and uh, the machinery hanging from the ceiling, very high ceiling. And Prabhupada looked up at it, and we were all kind of clustered around, and he said, someday this will all be piled up just like so much garbage. Oh, all right. <laughs> and then... Uh, 
then we then we moved forward a little bit, and there were these these uh, bleachers, these kind of stepped uh, uh, stairs where where uh, dance go-go dancers were were performing, men, men and women. And uh, Prabhupada was kind of watching this spectacle from behind because they were the background of all the different acts, you know, like a, a bandstand, like a or a football game. But you could see through from the back. And Prabhupada looked at him. He looked at us, and he looked up at them, and he said, "Just see, they're not even symmetrical." <laughs> well, you know, gyrating and wiggling, whatever they do. So then, then we were getting closer up, and it was time for the performance. And they had brought this big throne type of affair out for Prabhupada to sit on. And underneath it, they'd placed a, a, some kind of invisibly underneath a, a bowl of water with, I guess it was dry ice floating inside, so that smoke was just spewing out from all sides of this chair. <laughs> so that it looked like it was floating on a cloud. That was the effect that they wanted to achieve. The Prabhupada would sit in that chair and he would you know, sort of preside over Govinda, Madhi Purusham, or it was the Hare Krishna mantra. Hare Krishna mantra. They played the record with mouth the words. And that's right, and we would pantomime the words to it. So that was the, the setting. And I, what did Prabhupada do? I don't think he agreed to, to that cloud affair. So he somehow or other got him to take it away. No, they didn't. They didn't do it. A little bad taste in our mouths. I guess we didn't see the the, uh, the show, which probably came out okay, but I sold a bunch of records. Sold a lot of records. And you know what's funny? Today we got a royalty check. How many pounds? Two hundred pound royalty check from that record. Still paying off. From the re-release, I think. Yeah. Uh, I was I was the treasurer. Thank you. They were expecting. <laughs> Should I talk about the time we went to the? High Commission, High Commissioner's house for that party. Remember, we went in the, in the truck and Father Shankar was there. He wasn't there. Oh, Rathiatra. You're talking about the first Rathiatra? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first Rathiatra. The first Rathiatra car was built in, in Balaam. In, in a in a driveway in a a small next to a small flat I was renting, so I built the, this this cart about the size of the one that's out there, very large cart, using uh, whatever materials I could find, which wasn't much in those days in terms of uh, hardware and good solid boards and money and all, and but and Gurudas and and uh, Wakunda went out and got got the permit for us to have this. Long uh, parade down from Marble Arch down Oxford Street, wasn't it? And uh, so the night before the the uh, the, the Rathiatra, we we thought, well, we've got to get it over there. Went down Park Lane to, to uh, oh, Trafalgar Square. Oh, Park Lane, okay, to Trafalgar Square. It was going to go that way. This huge cart, and it had never been tested under fire, but. We thought, well, we can push it. We got Kulashekar and a couple of the other devotees over. We could push it all the way from Balam to Marble Arch. And we got it out about 10 feet, and that was it. Everybody was poop. We couldn't budge that thing. <laughs> we, oh, my God, it's getting daylight. You know, we've got to get this thing into town. So we hooked it up to my old pickup, and, and a combination of pulling with the pickup and you guys pushing for hours and hours and hours across London, we got it across the bridge and right up to Marble Arch just in time for the start of the, the Rathiatra. And it was great. Oh, we thought, fantastic. It's, we're saved. 
thousands of people showed up, and we we started out went, went about a went hundred meters, and the the whole thing collapsed. <laughs> the, the right wheel collapsed under the thing, and it all clunked down in the middle of Marble Arch and clogged of traffic all over London for miles. That was the first Rathia yeah, dress. <laughs> so everyone got engaged in dismantling it. <laughs> the whole car had to be torn apart. <laughs> they were already standard fixtures in the other temples in the United States, so it was expected that we would have them here also. We asked Prabhupada, I'm sure, if they wanted Jagannath, and he said, yeah. So I, I carved them. And I, I understand they're the same ones that I carved that they still use. So much, I mean, there's so much. Go on infinitely. The wood, uh, in the wharf area down by the docks, East London, where they were dismantling some barges, very large pieces of wood. Anybody have any other ideas, anything you want us to? Try to remember. You, you were the one that was in charge of that. <laughs> Actually, just to back up a little bit, when Mr. Savage and Mr. Black came and objected, Shamsuner went to see another man named Mr. Wallace, who was their supervisor at the Ministry of Public Building and Works, and he pleaded with them on the plea that we were, true plea, that we were getting so many young people to give up drug habits, and if. I think you told me this. He said, if, if your own son was drug habituated and he got off drugs, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that was valuable? Wouldn't you praise the organization that did that? <laughs> and he gradually softened up, and that was the, the basis upon which we were able to, to go forward at very place. So one neighbor yeah, used to complain all the time at very place. He was in the basement flat right next door to the temple. It was common.